Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no God. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. This plea in these few verses here is a plea to drop all forms of legalism. Remember, we just went through the blessings that come along with the promise by faith of God. We we learned that we're not under the law, so we don't need a schoolmaster. That's a blessing. We learned that we are uh, we have a 100% unconditional sonship, and we can't lose it. That's a blessing. All those that put their faith in Christ, we're all children of God by faith. That was Galatians 3:26. We learned that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we come into a living union with Christ. That's a blessing. Uh, Galatians 3.28, we learned for you're all one in Christ. That's a blessing. And then Galatians 3.29, we learned Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, meaning Abraham by faith. And so we saw all those. We taught on all those. We preached on all those. It was a blessing. And now what do we get into? This plea to abandon all forms of legalism. And he uses these next four verses. And Paul gets personal. And sometimes there's a time for that. And Paul, under the Holy Spirit inspiration, says, now is the time. And he's going to compl- he's going to plead with them to completely get, form- get rid of all forms of legalistic thinking, behavior, and religiosity. Look at verse number eight again. How be it then? When ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. What are we dealing with here? We're dealing with, or Paul's dealing with, their past condition. Notice it says, how be it then? How be it? Be it as it may, in other words. He's saying, however, when ye knew not God. So he gets, he, he gets right and straight to the point. Well, they know not now God now, so this is a reflection back. You remember when you were a heathen? <laughs> you remember when you had no knowledge of God? That's past. And then it says, Howbeit then, when you knew not God, ye did service unto them. You guys were stuck in servitude, and you were set free by the gospel. Look at verse number three in Galatians 4. The Bible says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. It would be ridiculous for you to go back to the bondage state. Don't go back to that past condition. So he says, howbeit then, when you knew not God, ye did service unto them. And now watch what it says. Which by nature are no gods. It's important to, to stop right here because there's a lot of. There's a lot of pagan deities out there. 
there's a lot of false gods out there. There's a lot of little G gods out there. We can go right on down the line and name a whole big bunch of them. The bottom line is they're out there. Help me understand again. Why would we be better to go back there? <laughs> I mean, just go back in your mind before you were saved. What was it that you were serving? How many of the false little G gods were you serving? What were you trusting in? We all have different things. We all have our little G gods, falsely so-called, that we were trusting in before we got saved. Help me understand why it would be good or better to go back there again. Paul's getting personal. Bottom line is it wouldn't be get better to go back. It wouldn't. False gods, which by nature, that's why he says, are no gods. Notice in the beginning of the verse, Eight, it says, when you knew not God, capital G. And then at the end of the verse, you did service unto them by nature, are no God's little G. There's a big G and a little G, and we serve the big G God. We used to serve the little G God. And this is why, let's get Romans chapter 6. But this is why we call unbelievers lost. This is why we refer to them as lost. This is why you and I, before we came to Christ, were lost. That's why if you're not in Christ now, you've not trusted him as your savior, you are lost. Meaning we're not free men. We're servants to sin. Romans chapter six, verse number 18. Let's let's read a few. Look what it says, but then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. You weren't free. I wasn't free before we got saved. We were in bondage and we were in servitude to sin. We weren't free men. People make this claim, yeah, I don't need all that religion. You guys are, you guys can't do anything. You're in bondage. You're, no, we've been set free. And now because we've been set free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of this world, we're free to live a righteous life. We're free to live a holy life. We're free to live a godly life because we're so thankful for the Savior that came and rescued us from the bondage. I've been told, I don't know how true this is. I don't know if you've read this. I don't believe anything that I read anymore except the Bible. But the Roaring Twenties, they were roaring because everybody was free and they could, you know, money was flourishing and people just went out and did what they wanted to do. People say, or there's a report, people have been saying that, well, as soon as this coronavirus is done, and people are let out of coronavirus, COVID restriction jail, that we're going to go back to the roaring 20s. Well, I ain't roaring yet, <laughs> but I kind of get the point. And the point I'm trying to draw out is we've all been in COVID jail. We've all been in restriction jail. Don't go anywhere. Stay in your basement. Let's run a campaign that way. Let all the American people stay away from each other. People are afraid to go out. People are told not to go out. We have been in bondage of sin before we got saved. Think of it that way. 
We've been let out of sin jail. We've been let out of bondage jail. And now we're free to live on to Jesus. Why do you why do you live like that? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you dress like that? Why don't you listen to this music? Why do you what's wrong with you? Nothing. I've been set free. Been set free, amen. I want to live holy, righteously, godly. I speak, verse 19 in Romans 6, after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now you yield your members, here it is, servants to righteousness and holiness. We just talked about that. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? <laughs> Nobody wants to go back and bring out the old beta tapes, the old film, the old before we got saved life, so to speak. Nobody wants to go back there and play that. So Paul's getting personally says, so tell me why again, why you fellows want to go back into bondage? Because what you came out of is so, so much better. You were ashamed. You look back. We were ashamed of the stuff we did. Silly, the stuff we believed. But now, verse 22, being made free from sin and become servants to God. You're going to serve somebody, college students. Or uh, any, any any lost person, not matter if you're on college campus or not. Well, you, God, why do you like? They're afraid of this make believe. They think he's make believe, yet they're kind of afraid of him at the same time. They don't want to talk about him. Don't want to deal with him. You guys serve God, as if that's a bad thing. You guys serve somebody else. We all serve somebody. If 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 a, if a if a young married woman thinks he's in bondage to her husband because she has to make a meal for him, vacuum the floor, clean up the house, and then she goes and says, well, I'm going to be free. and I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to work instead of, uh, instead of doing that for my husband. I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to serve my boss. When he tells me to answer the phone, I'm going to answer the phone. When he tells me to give a report at the end of the day, I'm going to give a report. When he tells me the vacuum floor, I'm going to vacuum the floor. We're going to serve somebody. Everybody serves somebody. It's just how you view it. Person gets a job. Guy goes out and he gets a job. And he says, well, I don't like my boss. So he goes and gets another boss that he's going to serve. We all serve somebody. Now, fellas, it'd be nice if our wives can have a good time serving. <laughs> it'd be nice if they got more than a five-minute lunch break <laughs> where they got to swallow a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then go back to, you know, juggling things. So it'd be nice to be able to serve under conditions that are enjoyable. But the bottom line is what I'm trying to draw out is we do, no matter if husbands, wives, Employer, employee, kids, parents, we all serve somebody. That's the point. 
Why not serve God? Uh, I want to draw this out while we're here. It's just a point of emphasis. People use religious activity sometimes to hide who they really are. Sometimes it's used to disguise some sin in their life. And Paul, he's really trying to get them to see that they were in religious slavery and that they were made free and they were liberated through the gospel. We talked about a little bit about this this morning in, in Sunday school. Uh, this idea that some hold that you can lose your salvation, which you can't. The God that's powerful enough to save you is powerful enough to keep you. But, and it's as if, and when we talked about these uh, little s sins and big s sins. And growing up Roman Catholic, you had mortal sins and menial sins. If you did something really, really bad, oh boy, you better get to a priest like now. Because if you were to die, you're going to be in purgatory for like 10 years. But if you did a little itty bitty uh, lowercase s sin, well, you got some time to get to the priest. Because if you were to die, it might be five or six or seven weeks you're going to be in purgatory. Then you'll be released out and you'll be fine. So you, you know, And they classified these sins. But the bottom line is you had to get to a priest. And that priest was going to give you stuff to do. There's a lot of Baptists that believe that you can lose your salvation. I guess it's fair to qualify and say, if you really want to be a Baptist, you got to believe in eternal security. I don't, I don't know how many likes we're going to get on Facebook on that, but I don't care. That's the Bible. <laughs> God saved you. He can keep you. You have something that is eternally secure. Our position in Christ is we are saved. We've been redeemed. We're on the winning side. We've won the victory because we're on the winning side through Christ's crosswalk. So now, now I go out and I sin. I don't lose it. I lose some fellowship with God. And God, where, where I'm going with this is, we don't want to scare people into doing right. And they only do something because they're scared. In other words, you know, you can lose your salvation if you do and so now you live your life, you're like, oh boy, I better not do that because I'll lose my salvation. <laughs> Instead, what if God saved you and you have eternal salvation and you're so thankful that you were let out of jail of the bondage of sin that now you're free to serve righteousness and holiness. And now maybe you just want to do what's right because you're thankful and grateful and you want to rather than being afraid to. Now, I could be a preacher that can scare you into doing stuff, but I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I really don't. But I want to just tie up this last thought on this religious activity. Some people use this religious activity to hide who they really are. And, you, you, you know, you ever meet people when you're around them, you just feel like you can't do anything right? You know, they come into a church and they're just eyeing up everybody. Okay. Is she dressed right? Nope. 
she's got her sleeves up the sleeve. No, that ain't right. That can't be right. Do those kids play right? Oh, no, they're laughing. They shouldn't laugh. That's that's not reverence. Uh, let's see. Who else can I pick? On? Oh, well, he's he doesn't have a tie on, so he can't be right. Oh, that guy's got facial hair. He's got to be of the devil. But you know what? It, you ever meet people like that? They come into a church and they can't find one thing that's right. Well, because they've arrived. It's them and their family. And then it's not. It's it's called religiosity. It's called this legalistic thinking that says, if you don't do things exactly the way I do them, then you're not right with God. Now, look, on the other hand, don't we all want to do better? Don't we all want to live more righteously? Sure we do. But it shouldn't be because the preacher is going to scare the tar out of us. It should be because we love Jesus so much that we're going to just be thankful for what he did for us and because we want to. All right, verse number nine. The Bible says, but now after that you have known God or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Again, it'd be pretty silly to go back. But here's their present condition. They have known God, meaning they're no longer ignorant. Meaning they've come to know God in a real meaningful way. Now, how do we know that? Look what it says. Or rather are known of God. So we knew we know that they knew God in a real way because it says or rather are known of God, meaning God himself says, yep, I know them. They're saved. I know they've escaped this bondage through the gospel. I know this. 2 Timothy 2.9 says, the Lord knoweth them that are his. God saved you. He knows you. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's the plea. Do you know Christ? Depart from iniquity. If there's a question on whether to do sin or not do sin, guess what I'm going to tell you? Guess what you're going to tell me? Don't do it. Not because you can lose your salvation. Not because you're going to lose some fellowship with God and he saved you. He's redeemed you. You're known of God. Why would you do that? Oh, yeah. Never thought of it that way. Well, that's funny. That's kind of how God wants us to think of it. Here's the paradox. He says, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. Legalism is a bad deal. It says, turn ye again, meaning they were already back there once. Don't go back again. And then it says, to the weak and beggarly elements. Look at that. When it says weak, there's no power in it. Beggarly, that, that relates to a poor or, or poverty-stricken condition. And then look at the word elements. It wasn't as much of an idol they would, they would return to as much as a religion that they would return to. It's this real, these religious elements. Now, the modern church that doesn't want to talk about God's wrath, they don't want to talk about sin, they don't want to talk about living a holy life or a righteous life, and it's this design of let's look at the world does, let's look at the culture, let's bring the culture into the church, and if we do that, we'll attract more people. Whatever you win them with, you keep them with. And if you want to win them with the world, you're going to just have a worldly church. You want to win them with the culture, whatever the culture is doing. You're just going to have a church that's culture just like the world. In other words, honestly, why would I want to go there? 
Why would I want to go back there? Like if I want to go to a Led Zeppelin concert, I'll just go to a Led Zeppelin concert. Why would I go to church? If I want to go listen to, I don't even know, are they still around? I don't even know. But if I want to go to a rock concert, I'll go buy a ticket and I'll go into Nashville. Tell me again why I would go to church for that? I don't get it. So this modern church, it doesn't propel people forward. It just brings them right back into bondage. And they knew a few little things of truth sprinkled in here and there with it, but they just keep spinning their wheels. They never really grow. They never really get anywhere except to say, they just look at the church like this and say, huh, I don't get it. No, you don't get it because you keep going backward. And it's time to go forward. So this action of going back into Jewish law keeping and turning away from the grace promise. It ultimately pictures someone's heart desire. Because in one sense, we are all trapped in our body of flesh. So we do, oh, wretched man that I am. And so we don't get rid of our sin nature because our flesh battles our soul or spirit. And also, some people put forth this false idea that you can somehow stop sinning and you get saved. And now all of a sudden you can live a life where you never sin. Now, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I don't want to sin today. I don't. But I know as soon as I go to lunch, it takes a little bit longer for the drink to come out or it takes a little bit longer for the check to come out or it takes a little bit longer for the food to come out. I'm going to complain. I don't want to. and I'm going to plan not to. But I say that to say, not a one of us can stop sinning, although we want to. I would tell you to stop sinning. You would tell me to stop sinning. We would all tell each other to die daily, live in the Holy Spirit. Look, all that's great. It preaches. I preach it. You believe it. I believe it. But the bottom line is this idea that you're going to tell somebody they can live completely perfect and sinless. Look, if you got a bottle of liquor in front of you, I'm going to tell you right now, don't drink it. Flush it down the toilet. Don't do it. So, yeah, we can take one one little sin at a time, one day at a time, one circumstance at a time and say, no, don't do this. But this idea that I'm going to put forth that I'm Mr. Perfect and this church is, is perfect and the people that come here have to act perfect and the kids have to be completely perfect. Well, try raising kids like that and find out what they think when they're 16 or 17. Because it doesn't take my kids or any, if you're a parent, any of your kids to figure out that dad blows his top sometimes. Dad does some things wrong sometimes. <laughs> we sin. My kids have to deal with an imperfect father. Your kids had to deal with an imperfect father. We're in an imperfect world. I'm not going back into bondage, though. We're going to move forward and try to be more Christ-like. Now, uh, why... Why do people desire? Because he uses this word here. He says, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? We talked about it. A lot of these things reveal someone's heart desire. Why would they desire to go back? Believe it or not, spiritual pride fuels the lust of the flesh. Believe it or not, religious rites and rituals does fuel some people to feel righteous and religious that's why somebody can come into the church and whatever they're looking for they will find 
if they're looking to have the preeminence, they will look around and say, well, this is wrong, 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 this is wrong. And you know what will fuel that? Well, we do want to go by the Bible, right? We do, don't we? I mean, if the Bible says something, we should change, right? I mean, right? I mean, that's that's true. And do you, do you see? I just want to really go by the Bible. And, you know, your, your preacher may not want to, but all I can do is just come and try to help and show you the Bible. And Now, isn't that what we all want, though? But there's something behind it. This is why we should worship him in spirit and in truth. One spirit bearing witness to another spirit. So we need to be careful about an undertow of motive. And probably ladies pick it up better than men do. I don't know if that's true or not true, but I know that some things I don't see. My wife sees uh, more often than not. She says, don't you, don't you understand that? Don't you get that? And maybe because guys are so, you know, we focus on different. I don't know. But all I know is there's a spirit behind things that we need to be aware of. Because we all do want to do right. We all do want to get better. We all do want to have the truth. All right, Galatians 4, verse number 10, the Bible says, You observe days and months and times and years. Let's get over to Colossians chapter 2. We'll start to wind down. The Colossians chapter 2, verse number 16. We just read, You observe days and months and times and years. Now, Colossians 2, 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holiday, holy day, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. We need to watch judging people based on days. Let me ask you a question. Why don't we worship on Saturday the Jewish Sabbath? I mean, Sabbath ultimately means just time of rest. Because every day is a Sabbath, a rest day for a true born again child of God. Every single day is a rest day because we rest in the Lord. That's why. What if we can't meet on Sunday? Oh, no, the church is done. No, it's not. We'll meet on Saturday. What if we can't meet on Saturday? We'll meet on Friday. What if we can't meet on Friday? We'll meet on Thursday. There's no... You don't see any pattern in the New Testament church anywhere for a midweek service, except to say we can meet anytime we want. <laughs> Does it say in the Bible that he added to his church daily? So what's wrong with the midweek service? If that day somebody comes, gets look, look, what I'm saying is it's not a day that we're worshiping. Now, traditionally, they met in the first day of the week. We follow that tradition. That's fine. But what I'm saying is we can do it any day we want. Any day. We find rest in the Lord. Now, this idea of you observe. Well, if you observe it, then that means somebody else wouldn't. So when Paul's saying, look, you observe, you observe, you observe. He's saying, look, you're doing all these things. You're recognizing other people aren't doing it. And now you have this religious right you've put higher than God. Well, I go to church every Sunday. I don't miss. Oh, well, I miss. So what's that mean? 
Now, that guy might be trying to tell you he's more saved than you are. I want to be in church every time the doors are open. I would encourage people to be at church every time the doors are open. But that's a far stretch to say that somebody ain't right with God and I'm more saved than they are and I'm more. Maybe they got something going on that you don't know about. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason, good or bad. But again, it's I observe, you don't see I'm better. You've got to be careful of that judgment. You observe days and months and times and years. Back in Chronicles, it says, and to offer all burnt sacrifices on the Lord and the Sabbaths and the new moons and on a set feast by number according to order commanded unto them continually before the Lord. The Jews, they rested and they stopped all labor on the seventh day. You know why they did that? They wanted to show their dependence on God. They worked six days and they completely rested. You know what Christ said? He said, it is finished. And every single day we can tap into the rest that we find in Christ. And these special day observances where you have to observe this, these special day observances are not supposed to be part of the believer's life and mindset. Because every day we find that we have rest in Christ. That doesn't mean we should forsake the assemblings of ourselves together. All those principles we see and we do that, we just have to be careful of saying, okay, well, he's really in the body because he comes all the time. Well, he's kind of maybe a friend but not in the bride because he just comes on. You observe, see? You want to do something so that you can point out somebody else doesn't do something. God says we got to be careful about that type of judgmental attitude. All right. Galatians 4.11. This is the last verse and we'll finish up. Paul says, as every minister of the gospel, he's concerned with their present condition. And so he says, I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul puts a lot of energy a lot of effort and a lot of time into a work and he doesn't take it lightly. And then he says, I am afraid of you. Paul's uneasy about the situation. His mind is overtaken by it. And their response to legalism and going back to law keeping, it's very alarming to him. And so he says, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> you imagine somebody, you know, they're, they're, they're coming to a, a good Bible preaching, Bible believing church for one, two, three, four, five, six years. And all of a sudden they say, yeah, I'm going to go down to, to Texas. I'm, I'm going to join, the, you know, the, the Joel Steen outfit or the, they're going to go and do it. You'd be like, you, I can see somebody look at him and saying, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> Why in the world would you go so far that way when you've come so far this way? <laughs> I'm just afraid of you, man. Anybody that makes that decision. Look, this spirit of legalism, it caters to our flesh. It's taking something outward to substitute something inward. 
So we all have to look at what we are doing and we have to ask ourselves, is this spirit that I have, is what I'm doing honoring to God? Are the actions and the activities and the behaviors that I'm involved with, are they honoring to God? We have to check our motives and our spirit. Motive is everything. The spirit behind what we say and what we do is everything. Gave a few examples earlier. But the Bible does say, and I'll finish with this, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.